Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. All right, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the program. We are live this morning from Blastar Productions, as always. Uh, In New York City, this is Good Morning New York Real Estate. At this hour, Harvard Magazine says distant are the days of Annie Hall when Woody Allen resigned himself to a plate of alfalfa sprouts and mashed yeast. Do you remember that? I do. Over the years, vegan eating has gone from tasteless to trendy to making inroads into the mainstream. We will talk about this and a new cultural trend with the author of the Blossom Cookbook, Ronan Siri, owner of the Blossom Restaurants here in, in New York as well. Also at this hour, there are many different reasons it can be difficult to get organized on your own. Some of the most common are you may have let things go so far that it feels overwhelming, even if you are usually pretty organized. You may never have been taught simple organizing principles. And if you're feeling stressed about getting organized, the stress itself makes it harder to think clearly. Really? Okay, there you go. The good news is that whatever your situation, it's easy and fast to get organized when we tackle it together. Those words are from Lisa Zaslow from Gotham Organizers, and she is here to talk about that and how she helps real estate agents get apartments sold. Isn't that something? Also, luxury apartments keep lingering on the market and inventory as inventory grows and buyers, uh, a buyer's market creates the opportunity to extend negotiations. High-end properties are moving at a sluggish pace. The, extreme, the uh, esteemed panel is here today, and they will break that down for us this morning. It's a big show today, so let's do it. But first, I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I'm Vince Rocco, and you are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate, again, here in New York. In the news today, as a key figure in the investigation into Russia's attack on the 2016 presidential election, Michael Cohen, the former personal lawyer and fixer for President Trump, has made headlines for his real estate deals in the past, and it continues today. Recently, the Wall Street Journal reported that Cohen closed on a 19th floor unit at uh, 111 Murray Street, a 64-story luxury condo development in Tribeca, paying $6.7 million for the 2,700-square-foot corner unit with private elevator. Now comes word that Cohen is renting the apartment for $25,000 a month. The listing description says, never lived in, newly constructed, 2,700 square feet, four beds, four-and-a-half bathroom residence with 10-foot ceilings and open chef's kitchen facing north, west, and south of the Hudson River uh, and beyond. Who knows if Michael Cohen will ever live in it, but one thing for sure is it's a beauty, and it's being listed by Douglas Elliman. Douglas Elliman, uh, for that matter, is doubling down on townhouses by acquiring Vandenberg, a boutique firm on the Upper West Side here in Manhattan. Terms of the deal were not disclosed, but Elliman said Vandenberg's founders and eight agents would make up a new townhouse team at the city's largest residential brokerage. Vandenberg currently has 16 exclusives, totaling $150 million, including a passive townhouse at 53 West 71st Street, which is asking uh, $13.49 million. Formed, uh, the company uh, was founded in 1990 by a husband and wife team. Vandenberg has been one of the few remaining independent brokerages in the city, where larger firms have scooped up boutiques over the years. And during the first half of this year, townhouse sales volume rose. 224 houses sold from 211, according to Leslie Garfield, another townhouse-focused firm. The average sale price during the first six months of the year was $7 million compared to $7.1 million a year ago. That seems very low to me. $7 million average price of a townhouse sold in this town? I don't know about that. 
We'll break that down later. Anthony Bourdain may have been a world traveler and international celebrity, but the late chef and food critic got his start in New York City and called the place home until his shocking death earlier this summer in Paris. According to the New York Post, his former apartment at the Time Warner Center at Columbus Circle is now in the rental market asking $14,200 per month. As it is listed, the two-bedroom apartment is cleared for all furniture and bears little sign of Tony's presence. But no matter, the views are stunning, <clears throat> offering unobstructed western vistas of the Hudson River. The apartment is spacious, measuring about 1,200 square feet, and each bedroom is generously sized. The master has two walk-in closets, perhaps where Tony stocked his basic attire of T-shirts and ripped jeans. As expected in a luxury building of this caliber, there are high-end marble finishes in the formidable kitchen and bathroom, plus an in-house, uh, an in-unit uh, washer-dryer in the hallway. The Time Warner Center is one of the city's most iconic and glitziest buildings here and home to the restaurant per se, one of the city's most iconic and glitzy Michelin star-rated restaurants. In, it's unlikely, however, that Bourdain selected the building for the restaurant downstairs. Chances are he'd have been more likely to be found at Shake Shack, Shake Shack or the Halal Guys on Columbus Avenue. That would be Tony. All of us here at Voice America wish Tony's family peace during this time of mourning. Anyway, we've got a very big show this morning, <clears throat> and we are already uh, beginning to start a new segment <clears throat> on this show. Once a month, we're going to be talking about New York City culture, and boy, do we have culture in this town. So we're starting off today <clears throat> with the owner and author of Cookbook, The Blossom Cookbook. His name is Ronan Siri, born in uh, Jerusalem, uh, Israel. He moved to New York City at the age of 20 to pursue a career in acting. Uh, born entrepreneur, Ronan uh, founded his passion for funded his passion, sorry, for acting by opening a variety of well-known and successful businesses that sustain his pursuit. Most noted in 2005, Ronan opened Blossom Restaurants in Manhattan, known as the gold standard of fine dining vegan cuisine. He and his restaurant's recipes were recently published by Avery Publishing and are currently one of Amazon's best-selling cookbooks in its category. While he spends his time and energy researching, exploring, and curating um, exciting dishes for his restaurants, Ronan joined Halstead to pursue a career in real estate, having owned many and managed many properties of his own, both here and abroad for the last 20 years. His love for New York City has been assisting referral clients in selling, in buying and selling and purchasing homes. In his spare time, you have spare time with all this? Ronan <laughs> enjoys writing, traveling, and meditation. More recently, he has gotten a great amount of joy through writing and acting, so he's been scripting a fictional a fiction novel and a stage play to be produced. And he recently married this past summer to Sarah Rada, who is also here today, Executive <laughs> Director of Sales Woo. Downtown. And she's going to be here with us talking about all kinds of real estate stuff. So, Ronan, good morning and nice to have you. Good morning. Well, you know, let me just start with, I mean, where do you start? But let me just start with your love of real estate, not only here in New York City, as you've joined Halstead a couple of years ago, but, you know, your your investments around the world. What what sparked that way back whenever that started? Actually, when I, uh, I previously was married as well, and uh, I took my honeymoon at the Bahamas. And when I saw the water, I was... Uh, <laughs> that so, will do it trust me yes so um later on someone approached me and i went to Casamel, mexico and that's where i bought my first land and built my uh, villa and then it turned into a business for me uh, renting <clears throat> vacation homes in Cozumel, Mexico. And Cozumel is actually beautiful. That whole uh, Yucatan uh, region is uh, spectacular. You know, I spent many, many, many years, you know, <laughs> back and forth to Tulum and that whole oh, region yeah. down there. 
But why Cozumel? I mean, tell me, I mean, that it's not so easy to get to necessarily, but it's kind of a, you know. You know, it just happened. I was just young and I loved the water and um, it just happened by itself, really. It's not, wasn't planned and then it just. And do you still have property there? Oh, yes, I have. Yeah. Yes, I have. Uh, it's it's yeah. beyond spectacular. How young is young? Whoa. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Microphone, how young is young? I was at the time 26 or so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's young. <laughs> Today we call that millennial, okay? And believe Even me. Even Matt will call that millennial. <laughs> Seriously. Anna Shagaloff is here. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Okay. According to Harvard Magazine, Distant Other Days, as I read earlier, of Annie Hall, when Woody Allen resigned himself to a plate of alfalfa sprouts and mashed yeast. I don't even remember it. I mean, I do remember it, and I kind of don't remember that. But I guess what the point is, it was at the early stages of what vegan eating and vegan food choices were. Over the years, though, vegan eating has gone from tasteless to trendy to making inroads into the mainstream. One sign of the times in 2016, Tyson Foods, the largest meat processor in the U.S., bought a 5% stake in the plant-based protein producer Beyond Meat. And the company's, that company's best-known product is the Beyond Burger. And it is pinkened with beet extracts and reportedly sizzles when grilled. I can't just imagine that. Okay. So no longer um, fettered by associations with hippie looks or radical politics, veganism has ascended to the astral planet of aspirational living. Uh, these days, it keeps mixed and more glamorous company. Famous bodies belonging to the likes of Tom Brady and Beyonce have been fueled by vegan diets. Um, tell me a little bit about, I know I read something in, in, in your stuff where this is not, this food choice is not necessarily just for vegans. Most other people enjoy coming to the restaurant to eat vegan. I mean, I do, and I, I told Sarah this many times. I always go to Blossom, and I love it because it to me it's just good food, and it's something different, and it, it doesn't have to be a, a a religion or or a culture. Not so at all, yeah, not at all. So so what what do when people yeah. come into the restaurant though? What do they expect? Do they come? Well, I think today maybe the expectation is a little different. But again, we are talking New York here, so it's a. Uh, I I wouldn't. Um, I um, in New York is different, but still people hesitate about eating vegans. You know, we associated with uh, lettuce, tomato. I don't know. Some people still do. Correct. So. <laughs> um, but it's changing. It's just good food. Yeah, I mean, I think actually. If if all of the chefs of the world will put their head into cooking vegan, I think you won't miss a trick. I think we will not even know the, that uh, we will not miss anything in food. So, yeah, yes. Um, I'm not vegan, and I've been to your restaurant with Sarah, and for me, it had nothing to do. I, I mean, I, I could live on vegetables, even though I'm not vegan. But it was all about You look flavor. like you live on vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's all Blue about flavor. But it's, right. it's really, it's about, people need to get over the idea of vegan being meatless. As Correct. opposed to vegan being just full of flavor, especially yes. when you go to Blossom. Yes. I mean, it's ridiculous. And when, when it's flavorful, you, you don't even think about the meat. You don't think about it because you're not missing anything exactly. because it's so good. Yes. Uh, the first time I went there, a friend of mine took me who um, was sort of vegetarian and was thinking about um, vegan. And so we went and I really didn't even pay attention. And I just looked at stuff on the menu. I said, oh, this is a different menu. And I just ordered whatever I ordered. It was a while ago, my first time. 
And I have to honestly say, I walked out of there thinking that was an incredible meal. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's Your what place, we do. When, yeah. when you were on Which Columbus one? Avenue by um, by your Hallstatt office on okay. 80 something. The 84th Street, 85th Street. Correct. Columbus. And I thought, mm-hmm. okay, so this is something different, something good. But what I wanted to talk about also, you say in your writing, it's a greater goal for a greater a good, for a greater good, and, and that's kind of what inspired you to create uh, and open this restaurant. What were you thinking when you decided to do that? You obviously weren't vegan from the beginning. No. Decided to do Meaning that. Meaning I was vegan when I opened the restaurant. Correct. Yes. No, but before that, uh, you weren't. Obviously, right? no, I was not born a vegan. Hey, listen, we have people giving their young kids today, you know, a vegan diet, and that's great. But, you know. Ari Harkov. Yeah. Is Ari Harkov out Harkov. there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Except he did give his kids Van and ice cream the other day. I oh, saw oh, that on the oh, internet. Oh, my God. say something. No. I'm going to get him on that one. And also, the vegan thing is a big kosher thing in New York, at least. I mean, every time I go to your restaurant in Chelsea, yes. I go with my kosher friends, yes. and we have butternut squash it's ravioli. By, so, yeah. I yes, mean, it is it's my default kosher. Yeah. But uh, there are level in kosher. Some mm-hmm. people will not go to a to a non to a, a restaurant, even though it's vegan, that a certain rabbi did not, or if you open Saturday, etc. But. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk a lot more about that. We have to leave it there. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Uh, We will be right back after these messages. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back. and We're talking to Ronan Siri, who is the owner of Blossom Restaurants here in New York. Before we get to the cookbook, talk a little bit about the the uh, animal issues where sometimes people become a, a vegan a choice of food because of uh, not dietary reasons or, or, you know, religious reasons or whatever, but more because of animal issues where I can 
pretty much totally relate to. I don't think people really understand that out there when they hear, you know, what, you know, a vegan menu is all about or why people choose to do that. Well, to me, that is the main reason. Right. Um, uh, is animal, um, the animal uh, reason, obviously, is uh, just, um, to me, if I can live without eating another being, without uh, hurting another being, then why not do it? Um, I, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, people try to philosophize it all, and we can all we want, like this is nature, but it's not. Because I can survive without hurting another being, so why not do that? It's see, simple. But, <laughs> see, but I think that that's pretty special. And, and again, I think that's lost on a lot of people out there when they don't really understand the backstory as, as to why people choose to do what they do. Yeah, I mean, the backstory, it's simple. In, I mean, okay, I think that when we grow up, it's so cultural, meaning like it's on your plate, so you really do not think about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's simple to think that literally this animal gave... Uh, they gave their life for you to eat it, and you don't really need it. Actually, if, God forbid, someone gets sick, the first thing they tell you is go and eat vegan or plant-based, eat more of that, which means that it's not good for you in the first place. Right, right. So why not do it then? <laughs> plant-based seems to be a term these days uh, that people have really you know, adhered to and stuck to and are yes. kind of like really pushing. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, there are, there are plant-based retreats that you can go on. A friend yes. of mine just actually, Denise Rosner, I think, who you know, yes. just went on one in wherever she was, Italy, and came back thinking this was like the best experience of my life. And she's lived a while. She's not so so young. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm older than she is, but what <laughs> Hope she's not listening. <laughs> Hope she's so you not mean listening. she went to a retreat? I love you, sweetie. No worries. <laughs> went to a retreat, you said? She went she to a went retreat. In Italy. Re- retreat? In Italy? Plant-based. Wait, in Italy. Can you just can you just go to the botanical gardens? Like, what? I don't I don't understand. Food. Come on, man. It was always a lifestyle. I think just the name changed. It's more hip. To Correct. say plant-based than right. vegan. Vegan associate with kind of, like I said, That's lettuce, I tomato, weird Hippies. people. Hippies. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. another label. Yes. Just another label for you know, exactly. It sounds, trendier. It sounds cooler. Yeah. Cooler. That's all it I'm is. I'm gonna go back and watch the Annie Hall uh, movie <laughs> because I don't remember anything about yeast and 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 whatever they said. Anyway, let's talk. Let's, <laughs> I let's think plan, I think plant-based is more trendy. Is that just me? Oh, I much. So. Like, I think it's like, I think it reminds me of like marijuana. Like, I don't know. So. Just, you know like, I don't know. <laughs> All right. The so Blossom has been changing the face of vegan food for more than a decade with menus of delicious vegan meals that everyone, both vegan and non-vegan, as we talked about, yes. wants to eat. So let's get to the cookbook. In the Blossom cookbook, uh, you'll learn uh, the chef's secrets for preparing elegant vegan entries for everyone's favorite dinner, brunch, or dessert. What yeah. inspired you? Here's the book. Yes, okay. <laughs> what inspired you to write this cookbook? I mean, I mean I've been years. dabbling with one for 100 years, and it's probably never going to get done. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can help me out. Fight of Rocco. Yeah, there you go. Um, I'm into food, and people ask me all the time to do it, so finally I did. I just love to share, because it's a foundation. Listen, a lot of people, when they taste Blossom, they come and said, say to me, like, if I could eat this every day, I would become a vegan so that's a huge reason why because a lot of people do think about it want to do it but their husband uh, is a meat eater or you know they cannot do it because meat of, and potato man yes yeah. exactly so 
there are a lot of recipes there that can uh, slowly introduce. Like it's a, it's all about your palate. If 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 that's what I mean. When you go to Blossom, I'm trying to create a place that you won't miss anything. That you would be like, oh, I could eat here every day. It's comfort food. Try to make it sophisticated, but it's comfort as well. Not too not too far from what you are used to, because it's all we are very habitual creatures. And that's Absolutely. part of why we're afraid of change. So, and that's a change, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a change, and, and obviously it's a bestseller, and people are looking at it. So, I think you can break down, and, and, and help me clarify this, I think you can break down vegan sort of into four categories. Okay, so it's food choices, mm-hmm. believe it or not, and, and Sarah tipped me off to this the other day, it's fashion, cosmetic and household items, you know, that mm-hmm. you really don't think about, oh. and also entertainment. So, you know... Help us on the the fashion thing really got me because I never really thought about that. And again, back to the animal related issues. Why do you want to wear a fur coat, right? For for one example, we don't even realize um, the things that we wear. You know, we we take for granted the fact that you know our Hermes bag or Louis Vuitton, what have you. That's all. A lot of it is leather. Correct. You know, uh, our sweaters are made from wool, and even though the lambs are not killed for their wool they're still in conditions that are we wouldn't put our children watch some of the movies that have been produced Yeah, exactly so crazy and thankfully this is a trend now because we wouldn't have the great sex in the city scene of samantha getting blood thrown on her or red paint thrown on her so you know we don't want to miss that but but it's very easy to get by and and um (laughs) still be fashionable Uh and have have great accessories and clothing and look incredible and just it's, it's good for the earth it's good for the soul so so why not do cosmetic it? and household items how does one even kind of think about when they're buying something sure. right yes everything has, has an animal in it <laughs> <Yeah>. literally <laughs> but a lot of everything. Well, a lot of top point. designers are making vegan leather yes. Yes. Um, yes. clothing now so yeah, it's not starting. just Stella McCartney it's it's a lot again it goes down to business as well if also there is... Gucci decided that they're not going to do fur going forward yes. and wow. they're phasing that out yes. so that's huge yeah, like I love cars, and when I I can I couldn't buy cars because they put leather, especially no, I the heard cars a story I like. About one of your so I cars. literally called Germany Audi BMW, and one of them decided to make a leatherette for me, so I bought it. So you see that ways too. That that's that's amazing. All right, so here here are some of the things that made me start thinking about you know what this is all about. So. Six science-based health benefits of eating vegan. A vegan diet is richer in certain nutrients that can help you lose excess weight. It appears to lower blood sugar levels and improve kidney function. A vegan diet may protect against certain cancers. It is linked to a lower risk of heart disease, and a vegan diet can reduce pain from arthritis. So there are the benefits other than the the animal issues or the, the, the fashion issues or whatever that, you know, this particular type of diet through the years has proven, Absolutely. you know, that it's it, that it's good for you versus Absolutely. not good for you. And certainly we all know the things in a regular diet that are not so good for us uh, and we continue to eat for whatever reason. Yes. Ronan, thank you very much. You're going to stay around for the rest of the show. So moving on, we have uh, Lisa Zaslow here. She has never forgotten what she learned uh, as a 10-year-old Girl Scout. Leave every place better than you found it. Well, there you have it. When I was reading that, I thought that's kind of inspiring. She spent 15 years in management consulting and corporate human resources for companies including American Express, Booz Allen & Hamilton, The New York Times, uh, Citibank, etc. In 2000, earned a master's degree in organizational psychology. It is a psychology from Columbia University. 
She founded uh, Gotham Organizers, which is her company today. Over the past 15 years, she and her team have helped thousands of individuals, including real estate agents, um, become more productive, more organized, and less stressed. Yes, I know. Anna's going to talk about that. (laughs) She's waving at me over here. She's a member of the National Association of Professional Organizations Golden Circle. This designation recognizes the small percentage of organizers who have been in this business for over 10 years. All right, so let's get right at it. So you, you know, kind of look at a situation. You see that people are completely out of control. And sometimes like as, as organized as I think I am, sometimes I am completely not. So how do you first assess the situation when you walk in, even if it's an agent saying, you got to come here and help me understand what I need to do to this apartment to get it sold or whatever? Right. Well, it really starts in two places. One, if it's if I'm working with an agent, I really get a sense from them, like, what do we need to tackle first to take pictures or to get this apartment sold? And with the client, my my question is always, what isn't working for you? Because even if people are a little resistant to the process, there's something that's bugging them, bottlenecks in the flow, things that they can't find, areas that they know are too cluttered. So I always start with like the big areas first, because I think it helps people if they can see a very quick impact. I'm not going to start by like alphabetizing your spices. It's like, <laughs> you know, let's clear that. I know, used to do that stuff. because you can't ever find what you're looking for. So if you color code them or, you know, alphabetize yeah. them, it's a little easier. It does work, but I, I just wouldn't start there because you don't see a big difference. I'm like, let's clear all this stuff off the counter so you can you know have space to cook. Healthy. I just recently threw all of mine away and started again because you don't know how long one has been in there, right? No, if you don't use it bad. all the time, just throw it all out and start again. Oh my God. I was working with a client recently doing just that, clearing out her kitchen cabinets because her she was selling her home. And I said, it's like a Noah's Ark of spices in here. She had two of everything. We line them up on the counter. It's like, they need to go through the kitchen two by two. Why? <laughs> There's an easy way to fix that. I just don't have spices. But that's, that's also, that you helps. know, hey, don't you cook. never know. You're spicy enough. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> So tell me, let, let, let's let's talk about how people get very stressed when they have to think about organizing stuff, whether you're moving out, moving in, or just decide you want to sell your apartment and it doesn't look good because your broker said, well, you know what, you need to declutter that famous word declutter beyond that organize. How do I mean people get very stressed and very tight over that whole thought? And as you as I read earlier, people tend to put that off, that exercise off because they don't want to deal with it. So how do you get Absolutely. people past the psychological, you know, stumbling block of, well, you got to do it anyway, so just do it. Right, sure. Well, that that feeling of overwhelmed, as we said, that's it really does literally paralyze people. Like we all have heard about like the fight or flight response to stress or fear. It's also fight, flight, or freeze. And often people are kind of frozen. And so just me coming in there and talking to them and reassuring them, first of all, no matter how bad their place is, I always say, oh, I've seen worse, (laughs) (laughs) which usually I have. So that helps kind of normalize it for them. And knowing that, you know, that I have a process that I can take them through helps reduce that stress level, because if they have to do it on their own, that's when they feel overwhelmed. This is and they always say this is going to take forever. And I can say, no, we can get this done in a week or two. All right. So I get that. So you start the process with them. Do they kind of fall off, you know, the universe as we're going through it or do they really stick to it? And because I've tried to do the the decluttering in the organization, I'm not a pro like you, but with clients and they kind of stay motivated for an hour or two and then they have something else that pops up. I got to make a phone call. I have to go over here. I have to do that. What what you know, what do you do to get them to understand you got to do this? And then when your agent is saying to you, we got to sell this apartment. We have to put it out on open house, you know, tomorrow. Right. 
what do we do? Well, what we do, first of all, is we schedule a session. And it's usually three hours, so they know ahead of time we are doing this for three hours. And I always tell them, it's not like if you were piddling along on your own for three hours, like we are focused. Because to be honest, you're paying me. And so once people see that, they, they want to focus. And also, I, you know, I remind them, like, if you start reading that magazine, you know, you're paying me for you to be reading that magazine, which they <laughs> might do on their own. So it's, you know, it's very targeted. They know the session is going to end. And very quickly, they see how much we can get done. Um, in a short period of time. So they are, they stay motivated. And to be honest, sometimes I'll give clients like homework for them to continue on their own. Often they won't. So we just, you know, we do another session and we get it done. And I'm I'm with them every step of the way usually because otherwise they're not going to finish it on their Can own. Can I ask a question? Sure. Um, so what, like in terms of deciding to throw something out or not, mm-hmm. what do you do or Just say throw it away. to clients to help make that decision? Because I think that's probably a big one for people, right? Right. Absolutely. And especially when it's this situation of like decluttering for a sale of a home, you know, sometimes, first of all, I say, I don't care if you keep it or not. You know, I don't have to live here, but let's talk about, you know, if it's something you can't part with, what can we do with it? So we can, you know, hide it in a suitcase or, you know, sometimes memorabilia or something, put something into storage. And then also sometimes I will convince someone, you know, like in a gentle process, they think they're attached to something, but when we really talk about it, they can let it go. Like I had one client, her whole closet was filled with like sweatshirts. I'm like, this is not going to make your apartment look, oh my God, you know, high end. <laughs> I, think, I think a simple Anna, solution. So, you used Lisa, cause you introduced her to me. So what did you get um, from her services? I mean, how? Oh God. I mean, do we have time? So, um, <laughs> so the, the great, great thing about Lisa is that if, if it's not something that she tackles on her own, she has resources beyond resources. I mean, she, there was one thing that I was shocked. She has somebody that can go through those stacks of papers that you have sitting there in your, in your office or in the back of your kitchen or whatever. Oh, do I need help with that? <laughs> and I was, I was shocked that there's actually a person that goes through page by page and sometimes finds really valuable information in those. Um, so Lisa was actually introduced to me by one of my sellers that we're about to close on. And it was in a state. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes, very good. Um, It was in a state. And since then, and the process was so great. And and it was a lovely seller, but it was a a very emotional process. And he was so pleased with her. I said, I need need her number immediately. So um, since then, for some reason, we've had a multitude of estates since then. And uh, we've connected Lisa to every one of those, um, the trustees, the executors, and whether they ended up working together or not, there was a level of clarity obtained. And even if there was a partial clean out as opposed to, you know, um, a full, you know, apartment, you know, clean out, um, she's able to find people to buy furniture, donate furniture. Um, she cannot, doesn't just organize, but can actually remove everything from an apartment and if anything's donated the they get the proceeds um, mm-hmm. or they can write it off I mean it's not just the organizing and that's what I think is really important because it's I mean it's just like that one phone call saves you so much time and so many headaches I've it sounds like a very collaborative approach to me so Absolutely. we're going to leave it right there come back with the esteemed panel as we talk about our hot topics of the afternoon of the morning we're live from blast Talk productions here in new york city this is good morning new york we will be back right after these messages don't go away
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com american heroes network is a program for and about our american veteran heroes and their families Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Everybody, we are back and we have Ronan Sarius here. Lisa Zaslow is here. They're going to stick with us. We have Niall Lundgren from Compass, Jordan Shea from Douglas Elliman, Sean McPeak from Halstead Real Estate, Greg Morris from Compass, Sarah Rada from Halstead Real Estate, Anna Shagaloff from Halstead Real Estate. We're Halstead heavy today. Oh, what an oh intro. God. What an intro. <laughs> Phil Horrigan from Freely and Leasebreak.com and Matthew Cohen from Core. So good morning, everybody. How is everybody? I haven't seen a lot of you in a long time. Doing all right. Long Vince, time. we had the VMAs last night. Yeah, I was at the VMAs yes. last night. Can't you tell by my chalky... Uh, <laughs> oh, you look great. And, uh, What's the Madonna backlash? You didn't want to yeah, see it at 5.30 this morning. I read her speech. The who? How was it? Madonna backlash? Well, actually, let me tell you something about that. She, you know, usually she comes out at these award shows and she can be as cuckoo as the day is long, right? Sometimes she's a little slurring her words. Lord knows what's going on behind the scenes. However, God, I love her. No, no, no. But, but, but she was coherent last night. But the outfit she came waltzing out on yeah, stage with was beyond. I mean, I don't even know what what was that. Wait, was I didn't watch? Was Gaga there? No. And I she, only asked because did anyone see Crazy Rich Asians? No, no, I want no. to, though. Okay, go oh, see it. Really, it's so yeah, great. And yeah, it's yeah. it's actually just as good as the book for everyone out there. <laughs> but during the previews, there's a movie coming out Lady yes. Gaga and Bradley Cooper yeah, that yeah. looks amazing. Oh, that's. Uh, I was like, is that so Lady Gaga? Yeah. That's a Star Is Born. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. gonna be the biggest hit of the She's century. She's just too busy for the VMA. <laughs> anyway, I went because I wanted to see J Lo. I love J Lo. Oh, I, oh, yeah. I don't think she's a great singer, but I mean, she's a great entertainer. <gasps> she's a great dancer. Okay, but she, what a dancer! Oh my she's god, incredible! Yeah, you she's also in a movie coming out. I was like trying so hard to make her out. You have to see this woman in person. She is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, beyond, beyond. I miss. Yeah. The maiden Manhattan days. I feel like she looks like <laughs> too like Victoria's Secret these days. Can we bring out like the more oh, wholesome J Lo. Yeah, what is that? She was very brushed, but I mean, listen, she's a celebrity. Why would not be brushed? If I could be brushed, yeah, I'd be brushed. I would too. Vince is like I was she brushed was too. Listen, the, the straight guys aren't complaining. <laughs> there you go. I mean, A Rod wasn't complaining last well, night. Well, he looked. He's very really handsome man. Her he's two little so kids handsome. were there. He, he was there. So her mother handsome. was there. So they were all sitting in a line, right, right, Aww, sort of in front of her. I mean, they were great. So anyway, so yes, the VMAs were fine, but too much <laughs> drinking and too much eating and too much, you know, loud music, whatever. I was happy to get home at 2 a.m. Anyway, here we go. Luxury apartments keep lingering on the market. Yet, once again, as inventory grows and the buyer's market creates the opportunity to extend negotiations, high-end properties are moving at a sluggish pace. In this environment, it's sellers and developers who are quick to course correct 
choice of words, and adjust pricing that have an advantage, brokers said. Properties will still sell when they are priced right, but the expectation for negotiation is still baked into the current environment that leaves a seller to wonder whether to price a home expecting to negotiate or price it lower from the get-go in hopes of competing and that infamous, you know, bidding war term that we used to use a long time ago. You know, we, Sarah gave us a lecture a couple of weeks ago in our in our uh, sales meeting. It's an art. It's a science. It's kind of probably a little bit of both. You know, how do you, my question to you is, all of you, is as we still are in this market, whatever it is, uh, with an abundance of inventory, how do we convince sellers to get the prices in line with where it needs to be so we as brokers can be successful in selling and they as sellers can be happy that we finally sold their property. What gives today? I mean, we're still at this impasse with conversations with, with sellers, I think, myself included. What goes? I think it's uh, a mixture of honesty and evidence. So so lately, more than ever, I've, Explain been, evidence. I've been talking to just other brokers that I'm really friendly with in the industry. And it, actually, some other broker friends of mine have brought me into their pitches, um, have utilized their relationships with other brokers, whether it's at our company, at another company, to say how they also feel about the price. Like not, you know, no competition in trying to get the unit, just actually having someone back them up about what the market's doing and about what the price should be so that you're not just talking to someone and giving them a piece of paper of comps. It's actually, I think it's really influential to have other brokers there, you know, saying similar things. But um, lately, I've really felt, Jordan and I kind of like hit on this a few weeks ago, but um, I really feel more than ever we're in a relationship market. Uh, you know, on the yeah. high end scope of things, uh, well, from, even on the medium end, I mean, it, I agree with that. But on, like from four to ten million, um, especially you know, in new development, there's we're really doing transactions with people that we know and people that we trust. Um, I had a a meeting with a developer I'm working with, and at the tail end of the meeting, his next meeting came in, and it was another project he's working on. Who I was very friendly with, the director of sales, and when he saw us hug, he was like. This is interesting, but it really is the market these days. Yeah, I think uh, explaining to them the cost of overpricing is also an effective way to get a good price from the outset. Because if a apartment is lingering on the market for more than you know six weeks right now, you're going to have to do um, a very steep price cut, probably too. One of the problems I'm finding as as a, an agent who deals with sellers also is that the comps today are not you know what they used to be. It's very hard to look at accurate comps. We used to go back six months, maybe sometimes push it back to a year. But you know you can't do that today because something that closed today might have been in contract three or four months ago. And three or four months ago today is a whole different world than where we are today. The market has moved and shifted so much in the last six months even more, that every day, every week seems to change. Also representing a buyer at a very high-end uh, price point and in a very unique building in the West 30s loft, not too far from um, Hudson Yards, and trying to comp, we think the apartment's overpriced, of course, and trying to comp that unit has been really difficult because every unit in this building is different. So it's one of these conversion manufactured building, con- con- you know, converted to condos a few years back, but it's hard to comp that, and it's also hard to comp in that neighborhood. So how could you realistically tell a seller they're out of whack on a, on a price when you really can't come up with the right with the right background? I, mean, but show I think if you show them also the the um, the history of closings, even just in the last three to six months, um, our market and obviously we our market is very segmented. You know, there are certain 
areas that are still in high demand that are not on the decline or flattening out. But overall, I would say the market is flattening out and on the decline. And you want to tell your your sellers that they don't want to chase the market down. So if they're a little higher than the market now, and then the market is on the decline, they're always going to be behind it. So when they do the the price drop, it's still going to be relative to what it should have been, let's say at the beginning, and it won't be enough because it'll be even lower in a few weeks or months from that time. Also, yeah. if you um, if you look at closed pricing, closed prices versus um, dollar per square foot versus what's on the market now, dollar per square foot, it's lower. So it, it shows kind of that escalation downwards of dollar per square foot in certain neighborhoods. So I, I think it's important to show what's on the market, what the competition is doing, um, in addition to what closed. I also, I was, sorry. I, was say, I find a, a very effective way right from the beginning of the meeting to kind of set expectations as I talk about where we are, what year are we in terms of pricing. So it depends on the market and the neighborhood, but I might say we're at 2014 pricing, we're at 2015 pricing. And that like immediately could set, and again, it depends on the market, depends on the neighborhood because everyone's different, but I do that research in advance and I see where are we. And it sort of sometimes resets, it just kind of frames the mindset immediately for the seller to be like, oh, okay, wow, you know. I also like what Sarah said because I think it's good to break it down into time periods. Um, I had two pitches last week for listings that are expiring. And so, you know, it's all about justification. The sellers want to justify the pricing and justify other people's pricing and what the past pricing was. And I think I like to break it down into every three months. So I always say, look at the last, like my assistant and I put together Excel sheets that, you know, of the last three months and we break it down to percentages. So what are the percentages of discounts that people are getting for closed pricing as opposed to asking pricing? So I think a good way to justify it with sellers is look at the last three months of the percentage discount, look at the three months before that and look at the three months before that. And that usually makes it very clear for them. No, but again, you know, something can close today, but was in contract three, maybe four months ago, depending on if it's condo or co-op. So, you know, that's a moving target. But segue into calculating square footage. It should be straightforward and an easy calculation. However, in New York City, co-ops and condos, the number you are uh, given does not always reflect reality. Sometimes the seller's agents uh, or sponsors overestimate the size in an attempt to mislead buyers. Right? This is a big problem here in this town. Other times, it is an honest error, perhaps one that has gotten repeated through the years. Given New York City's high price per square foot, this is not a trivial matter. As with any significant investment, it is essential to thoroughly understand what you are receiving in exchange for your hard-earned money. And, you know, I know as an agent, one of the first questions people ask when they come in, what's the price per square foot and how long has it been on the market? Okay, how many times have we heard all of that before? So, why should this be important and why is everybody so fixated on the price per square foot? Yes, overall, it's the price of the apartment, but everybody needs to break it down on their spreadsheet to what is actually the price. Well, you know, it's 1300 square foot and I don't, you know, I really only want to pay 1100 I just heard that the other day. Well, why? Why do you only Not want all to pay square feet is created equally. Is what I tell <laughs> that. Well, that's the point. Because there's livable, there's a lot of dead space, there's well, that's, uh, there's that's a the lot point. of, you, you can play the numbers. There's no, there's no uh, set metric to calculate square footage in New York City. Right. I Absolutely. think it's, it's something that um, a consumer, it's like it is the common denominator. It's the unit price. That's what a lot of people are fixated on. Um, and so it's like, in a sense, you're speaking the same language. But I agree, you really have to be 
leery of basing your what you're going to either price your apartment at or or purchase an apartment for based on that measurement. And watch out for the Wall Streeters because they come equipped with their spreadsheets. We have to take a break. You're listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back with more of the panel. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their product. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. I really appreciate it. All right, everybody, we are back. Segment four, last and final for the day. We're here with Niall Lundgren, Jordan Shea, Sean McPeak, Greg Moore, Sarah Rada, Anna Shagaloff, Phil Horgan, and Matt Cohen. So, some 8,278 condo units are in the Manhattan Development Pipeline, and around 2,000 of those are expected to hit the market within the next year. Wow. Okay, so we're talking about a glut of apartments. Here we go. According to analysis released Wednesday by Halstead Property Development Marketing, the new development marketing uh, market rather has grown increasingly soft, especially for the priciest product as products uh, planned at the height of the market in 2014 now come up for sale, joining many existing new buildings that have not moved all of the units. Right. Operative words here, you know, planned in 2014, okay, so they bought land probably at ridiculously high prices, and yes. now they're ready to come to market, so here we go again. As a result, supply has grown. Halstead's first quarter report showed around six, 
thousand apartments available in the borough. Through some of those, though some of those are being held off the market by developers until they can unload more units. All right, so let's talk quickly about the new development scenario. So, how quickly will these units sell, and will it depend on location? Because everybody tells me, well, you know, if your new development is downtown, it's going to sell faster than say on the Upper East Side or the Upper West Side. I say to that, not so. Disagree. Right. It's so segmented. It's so segmented. Well, downtown is not selling any faster. Well, no, no, just meaning like when you say those numbers, it sounds. Crazy! It sounds wild. The the number eighty seven hundred, um, eighty two hundred. That's more. That's like a year's supply. Period. But then, but then when you break it down, what's sales. what's wild is it's it's really in like three spots in the city. I mean, obviously Hudson Yard has an amazing amount of apartments. Essex Crossing has an amazing amount of apartments. But then more than that, Financial District alone has three huge projects coming to market. But who's buying? No, no. I just think like one thirty William is just hit the market. Well, they're one, doing great. They did thirty contracts before they even. Hit the market. Well, it's a beautiful building. Yeah, it's a great um, building. But then, like, one wall is 600 or, apartments. That's crazy. And then um, 125 Greenwich. And then struggling. five Beekman. That's a five or so seven like, year sellout, one wall. By but the there's way. so five much Beekman's product in financial One Beekman, you're saying? One Beekman. One Beekman. You know, I think <laughs> the interesting thing we were, they're all going to sell. They're just, it's going to take years. Or the issue is how these things are financed. I'm just saying. The whole problem is when you have to hit benchmarks. That's why Toll Brothers, interestingly enough, is so successful because they use family money. They don't use outside money. They don't use banks. They don't use investors. They have no benchmarks. Correct. They can afford to sell over time. I don't know. That's the whole problem. Well, that's my developer at the Claire on the east side. It's 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 privately financed by their own money. So yeah, you sell it this week. You sell it if you don't. You don't. I'm like, you know, I gotta go. They'll get their investment. Can I ask what is the cause you think of the slowdown in luxury in selling of luxury apartment? Because that would lead us maybe to see what it is. I'd say perception is a huge driver and just media coverage, people just kind of talking about storm clouds on the horizon. I don't really see an economic factor, which would tell us why it's not an economic we're struggling. Factor. It's, uh, it's, there's good jobs. There's right. a, a, you know, well, I guess the property tax situation is kind of screwed up now, but I mean, everything else points in the direction of strong, strong housing market. But, but I, I suspect though that the, the, the property tax or the, the reform, the tax reform, whatever is not really going to take effect in people's minds until they actually see it in their pocketbook. It, and that's not going to happen it, until next it's Going to hurt the outside markets. I think the New York City markets are. More it's so hurting. It's hurting like that, like two million right. that are lower. Price right. See, the mark. outsiders, international buyers, are buying less. I think so. Uh, they're so buying less that. for lots of reasons. One of them being that their co- their countries, China, for one of them, is not allowing them to take money out of their country. Mm-hmm. As easy as yeah. they used to to buy property here in, in anywhere, big, uh, Miami, but I also, New York City, anywhere. But I also think it's their, I, to Sean's point, I think it's their perception of America. Absolutely. Like, like most international people yeah, these days think that trend. we're in a yes. you know, pickle. Like I think that most people say that Trump is you know, scary. Um, but he's, and he'll I, be gone eventually. Yeah. And, but but, but there's, hold there's, on, is that true? Because who knows what will happen in two years when there's elections? And well, I think in, that it can in get. In six years, he'll definitely much, be gone. <laughs> okay, well, years. in six years, but, also, but that's a, a lot long time of his, away. Uh, policies are still, they will be around for a while. So, and I think just the uh, psychological aspect It's psychological, of that, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Don't, don't forget, uh, interest rates are higher now. Inter- inter- you, yes. know, you do the calculations on interest rates. I mean, your costs are up 10, 20%. And, yes. and then you have that, you have the property tax situation, right. you have the inventory, right. you have the uncertainty we've all talked about. So you kind of add all these things together and I think it, it does speak to... I also want to say, like, bec- the Mexico thing we spoke before, 
in Mexico, a lot of the wealthiest people, like I used to rent to Americans. Now a lot of Mexicans are renting. They do not want to come here. All the wealthy Mexicans. Isn't that something? They do not come here. They do not purchase here. And there are a lot of very shock. wealthy Mexican people. Why. people shock. With yeah, yeah, shocker. Yes. Wonder why? So, I feel the same yeah. way. Anyway, just the last couple of years. Or? Yes, Since, exactly yeah. that. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, moving on. When you see New York City dwelling twenty somethings in movies, here we go, Matthew. This is for you. And on TV, they are typically shown in trendy parts of Brooklyn and Queens. So TV and movies always depict the the trendiest places in Brooklyn and Queens, right? But the cold hard truth is that many of those neighborhoods simply aren't affordable for, by someone who is bogged down with student loans. They are often pretty inconvenient, and when it comes to transportation, there are plenty of other neighborhoods that are cheaper and just as exciting, maybe even in Manhattan. Although downtown living may be more exciting for nightlife, moving uptown to the Upper East or Upper West Side can actually give you more bang for your buck. With many people skipping the uh, upper boroughs or outer boroughs in their searches, it leaves more great housing at better prices for those in the know. So how many millennials do you know want to live uptown anyway? Um, I, I actually, <laughs> the, the majority I mean, of my millennial friends live in Harlem. Uh, so, I mean, I, I disagree with that. I think that if it depends on how you're defining uptown, I think that, you know, um, well, uptown North of 59th street, I mean, I think is the barometer of what people, yeah, I mean, there's the, there was some survey that uh, some real estate, you know, news outlet did. And it said that the most millennials in Manhattan live um, above 110th Street. So they live in Harlem, they live in Hamilton Heights and Washington Heights. That's where you're getting a lot of deals. Um, hmm. You know, and then outside of that, they're going pretty far out into Brooklyn. I mean, they're going to parts of big neighborhoods that are not as built like areas of Bushwick that are a little more desolate. Um, so that's what I find on the, you know, rental side at least. Um, on the buy oh, side, it's different. Oh, well, on the rental side, most people and, starting and, out. And, and, and transportation. Exactly. Yeah, people yes. like millennials are either, I always find they're like on always on one side of the spectrum or the other. They're never in the middle. It's like they, they're either more than willing to go way out of their way to get some crazy deal and not and like walk a million miles to transportation or they want to be right on the transportation and they're going to pay for the convenience. You should have seen the millennials in the audience last night at the at the VMAs, which they were probably 95% of. And when Aerosmith came out to close the show, no blank, blank faces. That 70-year-old running around the stage, you know, he killed it. I, mean, I mean, he did a great it, job, but it's like, awesome. really? Steven Tyler. Come on. Steven Tyler. That's what I'm saying. Come on. <laughs> I don't even know Steven Tyler. He's amazing. Yeah. He was a judge on American <laughs> Idol for having sex and all the millennials. Yeah. 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 Like, I think I just said to Jordan, I was like, is that the Armageddon song? It's Liv Tyler's dad. Well, that was that that's was a, one, as like a millennial. That was comment. one of them. Anyway, that's the show for today. We got to go. We're out of time. That's it. Our show is ended as of now. Thanks to my guests, Ronan Siri and Lisa Zaslow. And the panel, as always, always remember how wonderful life is while you are in this world. Thanks, Elton John and Bernie Taupin, for that. Be kind to one another. For all of us here at Voice America, all around the world, thanks for joining us. And we will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.